Turn your Bibles open to the Gospel of John. And today we're going to read chapter 10. And we're going to start with verses 1 through 5. The Word of God says, and these were the words of Jesus. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sh uh, sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he had brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. As a stranger, or I'm sorry, a stranger, they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know his or know the voice of the stranger. I'll read that last verse again, uh, verse five. He says, a stranger, they will not follow, but they will flee from him, meaning they will run away from him. They will not entertain him, but they will flee. They will run away from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you something, church. Um, when you were a child, right? When you were a child, your parents taught you, your teachers, your school taught you not to talk to strangers, right? They told you not to talk to strangers and they proceeded to tell you why. They told you that strangers could kill you. They could hurt. Well, they didn't tell you they could kill you, but they told you they can hurt you, right? They told you that they can harm you or hurt you physically, right? Well, here in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 5, Jesus is basically telling us that same principle. Not to entertain or I'm not, not so much not to entertain, but not to follow the voice of a stranger, not to follow a voice of a stranger. See, Jesus is a good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus, uh, one of the disciples of Jesus had said at one time, you are the good shepherd or you are the good rabbi or you are the good Lord. And Jesus' response to that was, well, why am I good? Why do you call me good? See, Jesus had that inquisitive, that inquisitive spirit, that inquisitive mindset, because he wanted to see what their reaction or what their response will be like. And this, is, this can be related to when God first was walking in the garden with Adam and Eve, and after they ate off the tree that God told them not to eat off of, God's question to them was, Adam, where are you? Why are you hiding from me? Did you eat off the, the tree that I told you not to eat off of? Like God asked them questions and it wasn't that God didn't know the answer to those questions. He just wanted a response. Just like your parent when ever you did something wrong, right? Um, your parent may have told you not to go down the street, uh, not to leave their sight or not to go to your friend's house. And yet you did it anyway. And because you did it anyway, your parent know, knows that you did it. So instead of them jumping on your case and, you know, beating your behind or correcting you right then and there, they ask you questions to see if you would tell them the truth. And there would be some times where we may not have told them the truth and got our butt whooped anyway, just to find out that they already knew that we had disobeyed, here it is, disobeyed their command that we have disobeyed their command. So God asks us questions to get a response to see if we will acknowledge or to see if we will recognize, identify that we have disobeyed the command of God. Now I'm going to interject here. So whenever you disobey a command that is from God, you are sinning. That's what sin is. Sin comes from disobedience to the initial command that God issues to you. So whatever God's command is to you, and if you don't do it, you've sinned against God, right? So in Sermon 1, we talked about God called us to live. So if you're not living in the ways that God is telling you to live, then you are sinning against God. Amen? 
if you, uh, last week we talked about um, voice command. We talked about speaking into things, right? We talked about taking authority over those things in which are not like God. If you're not careful, if you don't bind those things up, if you don't cast those things away from you, if you continue not to identify the thing in which is coming up against you, it could potentially lead you into a place of disobedience, a place of sin, a place of rebellion. Amen. Amen. So Jesus is the good shepherd that leads us in the right direction. Amen. Jesus is the master programmer. He is the good shepherd that leads us in the right direction. If you have never followed Jesus in your life, why not start today? If you've never followed Jesus in your life, why not start today? Amen. I'm not giving the altar call yet, but I'm just saying, if you have never followed Jesus in your life, why not start today? Because he never is going to lead you astray. He's never going to abandon you or forsake you. He's never going to leave you out in the open by yourself. He's always going to be right there with you. One of my favorite poems is, um, and some of you may be familiar, if, if not all of you, but there's a poem uh, that is titled Footprints, and I don't even know the author who it's by or whatever it is, but there is a poem called Footprints. And basically the gist of the, the poem Footprints is this gentleman or this lady, I think it's a guy, um, who basically is standing on the beach. And as, they, and as they're on the beach, they're seeing their life or their lifeline. They're seeing their, a timeline of their life. And they're walking with the Lord. And they asked the Lord, they said, Lord, I noticed it was in the most difficult times that it was just one set of footprints in the sand. Lord, I noticed that in the most difficult times in my life, it was just my one foot set, uh, one set of footsteps in the sand. Where were you? Where were you? And the Lord's response was, well, the reason why in the most challenging times of your life, in the most difficult times in your life, the reason why you only see one pair of footprints in the sand was because it was in that moment that I carried you. It was in that moment that I carried you. Amen. So, that's us. Amen. Does that sound familiar? Glory to God. Does that sound familiar? Where we ask God, Lord, where were you? Where were you, Lord, when I needed you the most? Where were you when all hell was breaking loose? Where were you when everybody was betraying me, when everybody was turning their back to me? And the Lord's response to that was, it was in that moment that I carried you. It was in that moment that I was leading you by the hand. It was in that moment that I was right there fighting the battle on your behalf. See, the crazy thing about this is the Lord can carry us and sometimes we not even realize it. And the reason why we don't realize it is because we're so caught up in our pain and we're so caught up in our grief that we become so distracted that we don't even realize what or who is carrying us. Amen. So Jesus is the good shepherd that leads us in the right direction. If you think about a shepherd, a shepherd is um, a, a man who watches over the flock of sheep, right? And if any harm comes against the sheep, then what happens is the shepherd protects the sheep. He protects the fold. Jesus gave an analogy. He said, if one, if, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one sheep has gone astray, will not the shepherd go after him as, as, as to find him? Will he not leave the 99 others in a safe place that he may go after the one that is at risk, that he may go after the one that is in danger? Amen. Oh my God, I feel it right now in the name of Jesus. There may be some of you that is that one lost sheep. Hallelujah. And the reason why you're here tonight is because God, hallelujah, sent you here. God made a way for you to be here because you are that one lost sheep. You are that one sheep that got out the pen. 
and you are that one sheep that had gone astray. But this is Jesus coming after you to tell you to come back with him to the place of safety, my God. So Jesus is the good shepherd because the shepherd could say, well, you know what? Even though the one has gone astray, at least I still have 99. But the Jesus is a good shepherd because he doesn't just want the 99. He wants the whole thing. Amen. He doesn't just want part of it. He wants it all. Amen. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, he doesn't just want part of it. He wants it all. So if one sheep has gone astray, best believe Jesus is going to go after that one lost sheep. Amen. So if you are that one lost person, will not Jesus go after you? Will not Jesus chase you down as far as to bring you back to himself? Amen. Jesus leads us away from the attacks of the enemy. Let me ask you, what attacks have you gone through? Did you not overcome them? Of course you did. Because if you did not overcome them, you would not be here today. And when I mean here, I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about this place in your life. I'm talking about this place in your career. I'm talking about this place in your mentality. I'm talking about this place in your life. So the fact that you are here in this place, in this moment in your life, that shows me, that gives me indication that you have overcome some attack or another from the enemy. Rather, if you acknowledge that, rather, if you receive that, believe that, decree and declare that or not, it is true. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, it is true. Amen. So Jesus leads us away from the attacks of the enemy. Because, see, the enemy's conniving. The Bible says he's out to search to see whom he can devour. He's out to seek what he can uh, search, kill, and destroy, right? So the enemy is studying you. He's studying your situation. He's studying your circumstances. He's waiting for the right moment to pounce on you. He's waiting for the right moment to make his move. Amen. But the good thing is that you have a shepherd that is watching over you at all times. And Jesus never sleeps and Jesus never turns his back and Jesus will never leave you unattended. My God, Jesus will never leave you unattended. He leads us into safety every time. Amen. He leads us into safety every time. And it may not feel like that now. But trust and know that it is so. What you feel is an effect of the attack. But the effect of the attack has no power to, change, uh, to, to, to hinder your walk with God. The effect has no power. It has no authority to snatch you out of the hand of God. See, the effect is necessary. The effect is necessary. The effect is necessary. And the reason why that is necessary is so that you can be dependent upon God and so that you can see the goodness of God. Because what was meant to kill, oh my God, what the enemy has sent to you was meant to kill you. But the fact that you are still living, that you are still here, that you are still breathing and fulfilling the purpose that God has set out before you is indication that God has got your back. It is indication that God is watching over you. It is indication that God is not leaving you unattended on the field. Amen. Amen. One thing that Jesus said in our opening scripture, he says that people will know me by the sound of my voice. That's very significant. He says people will know me, my people will know me by the sound of my voice. Then it goes on to say, they will not leave the shepherd for someone they don't know. Let me ask you, do you know the voice of Jesus? Are you acquainted with it? Are you familiar with it? Do you know it? Do you understand it? Or do you not? And we're going to get there in just a moment. The people of God will only follow the commands of God because they are familiar with 
this script. I'm going to say that again. The people of God will only follow the commands of God because they are familiar with this script. The people who don't know God will confuse the enemy with the voice of the Lord and go down a path they were never meant to go down in the first place. Now I'm going to interject something here at this last point, this, uh, this last statement. I believe that at one point or another, there were moments in our life where we went down a path that we weren't supposed to go down. And the reason why we went down that path was because we mis we mis um, we misunderstood or we listened to the wrong voice. I'm gonna say that again. I honestly believe that at one point or another, all of us have ended up down the wrong road because we listened to the wrong voice. And the reason why we listen to the wrong voice may not even that we don't know Jesus. It's just that sometimes the voices that come to us offer something that we perceive to be great. And because it offers something to us that we perceive to be great, we automatically classify and identify it as God. Which leads me into my first point. What will you respond to? What will you respond to our message title tonight is hear the command understand the script hear the command understand the script say that to your neighbor neighbor hear the command understand the script amen so our first point is what will you respond to. Do me a favor, turn open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4 verses 8 through 10. Again, that is the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4 verses 8 through 10. Now take your time in getting there, but again, once you get there, please follow along. And the word of God reads, it says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you. If you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So here in this particular scripture, in this particular two verses, what is going on is that Jesus had just got baptized by his cousin John the Baptist, and he was taken to uh, the spirit of the Lord descended upon him in the form of a dove. A voice sounded from heaven, which was the voice of his father, the father God, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so what happens is the spirit of the Lord leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tested by the enemy. And there in the wilderness, Jesus is fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And as he's fasting, the enemy comes to him and tempts him with a different temptation. The first temptation was to turn rocks into loaves of bread because Jesus was hungry because he was in the midst of fasting. And then Jesus, every he overcame every form of temptation by quoting scripture. He, he overcame every form of temptation by speaking the command, the word, the script of God. And it says now at the end, in the, the last two verses that we read, verses 8 through 10, these three verses, verses 8 through 10, what happened was this was the last temptation. Uh, last temptation. And while temptation in itself is great, glory to God, uh, temptation in itself is great, meaning it can overbear you. It can seem it's okay to do, but in reality, we know it's not okay to do, right? It can tempt us to do want to do it, but we know we can't do it because if we do do it, it is going to dishonor God. So here we go. We have the Son of God in the wilderness fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. The first temptation that came for him to eat um, turn rocks into bread and eat from the bread, right? Jesus then goes on to say, no, for it is written, it is uh, every word, um, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. 
And this last temptation, it, we would perceive it to be very great because now, see, Satan is taking Jesus to the pinnacle. He's taking Jesus to the, the very top to where he can show him everything out in the open. And so Satan shows Jesus every kingdom in their glory. What I mean by that, think of New York. Think of Los Angeles. Think of the most beautiful cities, the most well-built cities that you have ever seen in your life. Satan was showing Jesus something similar to that. And he says, all you got to do is bow down and worship me. And I will give it all to you now. And Jesus said, no, for it is written, you shall, you shall only worship the Lord your God. Get away from me, Satan. Not only did he overcome the, the temptation, the last and final temptation with the word of God. But now Jesus has accumulated enough energy to where he can rebuke the enemy, to where he can cast away the enemy. Glory to God. Because Jesus said, I'm not going to entertain this any longer. Now you're trying to get in the way of my mission. Now you're trying to get in the way of my vision. Now you're trying to corrupt and get in the way of the code that God has equipped me with. Now you're trying to get in, in the way of my command that God has issued to me. I'm not going to let you do that any longer. Now you got to go. And Jesus rebuked him. But there are a couple of things about that story that those last three verses that I want us to pay attention to. Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted, to prepare him for his ministry. He was about to enter into See, fasting was a part of the preparation for the ministry that Jesus was about to walk into. So it was necessary for the temptation to be had. It was necessary for the temptation to be there, to prepare him for what was ahead of him. Because if Jesus would have given into those temptations, not only would he have dishonored God, but he would have corrupted his whole mission. He would have corrupted his whole purpose as to the reason why he came. And the reason why Jesus came was so that we could have life and life more abundantly. So if Jesus would have given in to those temptations, he would not have been able to go to the cross on our behalf. And we would still have been stuck in the same boat that we were in long ago before Jesus. So the temptation was necessary. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, the temptation was necessary. The enemy was tempting Jesus to follow him in return for the world. But see, Satan knew that the world had already belonged to Jesus. But the only problem is Jesus had to take our sins upon himself, die for it, and be raised to life again to get the, the world back. What I mean by that is if you go to Genesis, um, we read Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, it talks about the fall of man. And it tells us that when man fell from God, when man disobeyed God in the Garden of, uh, of Eden, what happened is sin came into the world, meaning that the enemy, to an extent, gained dominion, gained control over the earth, gained lordship over the earth. When I say lordship, I mean control. Lordship means control. It means authority, right? He got lordship of the earth. There was a passage of scripture. There was a moment in scripture where Jesus had made reference to this. He said that you can't be friends of God and friends of the world. Because the world is not of God. But see, what happened was Jesus took our sins upon himself and he took it to the cross. He took it to the cross where he left it and he was resurrected within the three days by the spirit of the most high. So the enemy is trying to give Jesus something that is temporary. But Jesus knows that it already belongs to him to begin with. I say that again. Satan is trying to offer something to Jesus that Jesus already knows is temporary. But at the same time, it already belongs to Jesus because he is the one that created it. My God. 
See, the enemy already knew who Jesus was. The enemy already know who and what Jesus represented. Why do you think Jesus tried to attack him? I'm sorry, why do you think the enemy tried to attack Jesus so much? Because the enemy was threatened by Jesus. And so what happened is he did not want Jesus to come in the way of his, uh, uh, of his mission. But Jesus was already there in the way of his mission. And the mission was already, uh, Satan's mission was already coming to an end. My God. See, the enemy knows that about your life as well. The enemy knows who you are, what God's purpose for your life is, and what you represent and what you stand for. Why do you think they're, the enemy's attacking you the way he's attacking you? Why do you think the enemy is coming against you the way the enemy is coming against you? It's because he knows exactly what God has in store for you. He knows what God's plan and purpose is for your life. So to the extent that you have all this going on in your life, and it seems that all hell is breaking loose and people are betraying you and trying to trample over you, this is indication that God has something significant, that God has something great in store for your life. All you have to do is just step out in faith and receive all that God has for you to receive. Amen. But oftentimes, oftentimes, say to your neighbor, neighbor, oftentimes, we end up giving in to the temptation to go down the easy road. Remember, Jesus says something along the lines of this. He said, narrow is the way to life, but broad, wide is the way to hell, death, and destruction. What Jesus was saying by that is when you walk on the narrow path, it's not an easy path to walk on. It's more easier to sin against God than it is to fight against the sin. The sin. I say that again. It's easier to sin against God than it is to fight the sin. But we, the people of God, are called to live a holy and righteous life. We, the people of God, are to combat against sin. And what we got to understand and what we got to realize is that we already have the victory through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that there is no temptation that is uncommon to man. There is no temptation that you are going through. There is no temptation that is coming upon you. There is no temptation that has come upon you that Jesus has not dealt with. Because Jesus overcame, you too can overcome. My God. Woo, Jesus. Because Jesus overcame, you too shall overcome. But see, but see, the enemy will try to provide an alternate route for you, just like he did Jesus. But the alternate route to most people may have seemed to be the best route, but yet Jesus saw the bigger picture. Jesus saw the bigger picture, and the bigger picture was that it was temporary. Not only that, it wasn't worth it. Glory to God. The enemy will come to us and know what our purpose and what our plan is, and he will try to put an alternate route in front of you and tell you to go down it. And as we look at the alternate route, it may look easy, it may look simplistic, it may look less challenging, so automatically we classify it as God and we go down that, that route. But by the, time that we, by the time we get to the end of that route, we understand and realize that it was never drawing us closer to God, but instead it was pushing us further apart from God. My God. What is easy is not always of God. I'm going to say that again. What is easy is not always of God. Not saying that the Lord wants you to struggle, but what I am saying is that the Lord allows challenges to deepen your dependency upon him and so that your faith can increase by you being able to see him at work within your life by seeing him at work in your situation by seeing him at work within your circumstances amen 
Oftentimes we equate the voice of God with the level of materialistic things that we are offered or can obtain. Right away we say that if somebody offers us a million dollars that that was God. But what we realize is that if we take that million dollars, and not saying this is the case for everybody, but it, to the fact that we were offered a million dollars, could it be that the reason why the, ten, the million dollars was offered to us not to bless us, but to curse us? Amen. Because sometimes when we got large amounts of money at one given time, what happens is we begin to idolize the, the, the money. Or in other words, we begin to idolize the materialistic blessings. Stop equating God with material blessings. Amen. Did not Jesus say, store your blessings in heaven where moths cannot destroy, where thieves cannot steal and rust cannot destroy? My God, why would you store your treasure in a place that is temporary? Why are you settling for temporary things? Why are you settling for things that are here today and gone tomorrow? Where is your wisdom, church? Where is your wisdom? Hear the voice of the Lord tonight. My God. So again, we always equate the, the voice of God with materialistic things. And that in itself is a trap from the enemy. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to live a nice life. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to have nice things. I'm not saying that God wants you to live in poverty. But what I am saying is that God is not going to give you more materialistic things more so than spiritual things because your father in heaven is in spirit. And so therefore, God will give you what you need at the appointed time materialistically, but he will give you what you need all the more spiritually because your father in heaven knows that things that are on this earth will be destroyed. Things that are here on this earth are here today and gone tomorrow but your father in heaven knows also that the things that are in his kingdom things that are in the spirit realm are eternal my god my god say to your neighbor neighbor stop storing your blessings in this life and start storing your blessings in the kingdom of god my god my god Thank you, Jesus. Woo, Lord. What appears to be good can actually be hazardous to your spiritual health. I say that again. What appears to be good can actually be hazardous to your spiritual health. If somebody offered you something that you perceive to be a good thing, would you not take it? Of course you would. And sometimes we're quick to take something without carefully evaluating what is being presented to us. Say that again. Sometimes we are all too quick to take something without carefully evaluating what is being offered to us. Let me ask you, when was the last time you took the time to pray about it? When was the last time you took the time to seek the Lord in regards to what was being offered to you, what was being placed in front of you? My God. We must understand that by responding to a blessing is not responding to God because your blessing must respond to you. God has given you the authority. God has given you the command to lord over your blessings, not your blessings lord over you. So if you have to chase after your blessing, that tells me that you're chasing after an idol because idols will require you to chase after it. And what you don't realize is that by chasing after it, you're worshiping it. And by worshiping it, you're glorifying it. And by glorifying it, you have now adopted a new God into your life. You don't have to chase after your blessings. Your blessings will chase after you. That, my friends, that, my brother, that, my sister, is in your Bible. That is the word of the Lord. That is the command of God. So again, we must understand we don't respond to the blessing. The blessing responds to us. My God. So again, I ask you, what will you respond to? What will you respond to?
My next point is this. Know your script. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, know your script. Know your script. A script is a programming language that automates an execution of tasks. I'm going to say that again. A script is a programming language that automates an execution of tasks. Our spiritual, our spiritual script is what? It's the Word of God, the Holy Bible. Amen? The spiritual script that we have been given, the spiritual script that we have is the Word of God. It is the Holy Bible. The Word of God executes in us the ability to live a godly life that is free from corruption from the enemy, the virus. Amen? You have within you, glory to God, you have within you an antivirus software. And the antivirus software is Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God. And you have a command prompt in front of you, the word of God. So when you read the word of God and you apply the command, when you apply the word into your life, when you apply the word into your, your life, what begins to happen is that things began to change. And what begins to happen is that when the word of God is plugged into the spirit of God in your life, glory to God, it begins to automate some things. It begins to automate some things. And what I mean by that is it holds you accountable to live a righteous and holy life. I know there are a lot of pastors that don't teach holiness anymore. And I know there are a lot of churches that are afraid to teach repentance. But we got to understand, church, that Jesus is on the way. We can no longer afford to play church. Now is the time to be the church. And now we got to take the time to call things out as though they are. And now we got to start speaking the truth, my God. Now we got to start speaking the whole word of God. And this is the great thing about greater impact. And this is the great thing about God's church. Glory to God. That we can come together and worship and fellowship. And we can come together in the presence of God and hear the voice of God. That will challenge us and call things out of us. Glory to God. That God may refill us with himself. My God. My God. We must live a holy and pure and righteous life, my God, because a holy and pure life is the only thing that can glorify God. And while you are not perfect, your father who is in heaven is perfect. And the spirit of the living God that resides on the inside of you can help you reach that perfection, can help you to reach that level of purity, can help you reach that level of sanctification. The question then becomes, are you willing? Ask your neighbor, neighbor, are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing? It's not, are you able? It's, are you willing? Because the Bible says that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. So rebuke the lies that the enemy been feeding you for so long. I know you think that you can't, but I'm here to tell you that you can. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, you can. Hallelujah. You can. You can live a holy and pure life. You can live a holy and righteous life. And while you live a a holy and pure life and while you live a righteous life you can, while you live a life that glorifies God you still can have fun my God you still can have fun you still can have a good time doesn't mean you got to get drunk because you ain't got to get drunk to have a good time you ain't even got to drink alcohol to have a good time my God my God Jesus oh Lord help him Lord so the word of God becomes automated in our life and help us to live a holy and pure and righteous life, a, a life that will truly glorify and honor God and, and, and lift up Jesus and everything, my God. There is power within the word that when it is properly, properly applied to our lives, it can produce change. The word of God can produce change in your life if you let it to do so. My God. There is power within the word of God that when we speak it, the earth, the spirit, the sickness, the illness, the whatever will respond. 
my God. You want your situation to change? Speak the word of God and believe what you're speaking and it will be done for you. People underestimate the power that is within the word because they don't want to take the time to read and study what the word is saying. Let me ask you, when was the last time you opened your Bible and you read it outside of church? When was the last time you opened your Bible and you dug deep into the word of God and you looked for ways to apply it and receive it into your life? The word of God wasn't given to you to have it as a, uh, uh, another book on your bookshelf. The word of God wasn't given to you to collect dust on your end table. The word of God wasn't given to you for you to look good in church on Sunday. The word of God was given to you to receive and to understand and hear the voice of your father in heaven. Oh, I wish I had somebody to hear the Lord tonight. Oh, I wish I had somebody to praise God in this place. I know it's heavy, church, but I promise you that the spirit of the Lord is here. My God. My God, yes, God, yes, God. So people underestimate the power of the word. They don't want to take the time to read the word of God, study the word of God. And the enemy can help you to come up with a million and one excuses as to why you can't be in the word. But I tell you the truth that there is always time for you to get into the word of God. Stop feeding into those lies and stop letting those lies feed into you. My God. The more you know the word, the more you know the script, the less likely you will fall into the trap of following the wrong thing. You want to know what Jesus sounds like? Open your Bible. You want to know what the voice of God sounds like? Open your Bible. Because I promise you that as you open the word of God, you will hear the voice of God like never before. You can literally hear the voice of God in the pages of the word of God. So with that being said, why would you not want to read it? Why would you not want to dig deep into it? Why would you not want to be in the word of God that the word of God may be within you? My God. I'm going to say this, the DNA that is within the word of God is the same DNA that is rooted within the person in the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The same DNA that is in this scripture, the same DNA that is in this Bible, the same DNA that is in the pages of this Bible is the same DNA within the, the word, uh, within, the, uh, within Jesus and within the blood of Jesus Christ. The same DNA of the one that shed his blood for you. The same DNA of the one that was crucified for you. The same DNA of the one that created the universe. It is within. It's the same DNA within the pages of your Bible. My God. Lastly, I say to you, reconfigure your drive. Reconfigure your drive. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, reconfigure your drive. We learned last week that our heart is like our spiritual drive. Amen. We learned last week that our heart is like our spiritual drive and that whatever we receive and whatever we store within our spiritual drive will end up coming out of our speech. It will end up coming out of what we think and what we speak. My God, we need to reconfigure our drive with the script, the word of God. You want to reconfigure the way you think. You want to reconfigure the way you speak. You want to reconfigure things in your life. Then start with the word of God. Amen. David said in the Psalms that he wanted to hide the word of God in his heart that he may not sin against God. Amen. So King David knew and understood that if he applied the word of God into his heart, his spiritual drive, his actions would be more godly. Now, King David was this was a great king in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. He lusted after Bathsheba. Amen. The Bible says that David, King David, was a man after God's own heart. In fact, he um, David's family line, Jesus was born through the, the family line, the bloodline of King David. Amen. That just goes to show you how favored King David was with God. But King David, even though he was a man after God's own heart because he was a shepherd boy who turned into a king because of God, a mighty warrior because of God, 
he got into the kingship and he lusted after Bathsheba. And because he lusted after Bathsheba, he found out that her husband was in his army. He had his, her husband killed so that he could take her to be his wife. They go to have a baby, judgment fall upon the household as the prophet of God came to issue the warning and the child died at birth. And what began to happen was David was reconciled unto God. And what began to happen is even though David sinned against God, God restored him. And in the book of Psalms, we have David plead, pleading with God for grace and forgiveness. And we see David pleading with God to help him to become the best version of himself. So King David says in one of those Psalms, Lord, help me to hide your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Help me, Lord, to install your word, your script in my, my drive that sin may not abound, that sin may not exist, that sin may be driven out from me. The word of God takes up room. And will not allow any room for sin to come into play within your life. When you apply the word of God into your heart. When you apply the word of God into your heart. When you apply the word of God into your life. It takes up room to the point where the enemy has no room to move. To the point where sin can no longer abound within you. Because now it is replaced with the word, with the command of God. Amen. When your drive is clean from corruption, you will then begin to hear the word, the command of God more clearly in your life. The more you replace the sin with the word, the more you replace the hurt with the word, the more you replace the anger, the resentment with the word, the more clearly you will be able to hear the voice of God and the commands of God in your life. A life that can hear the voice or command of God clearly is a life that will produce much fruit. It will be a holy and righteous life. Not going to say that you will never sin again because sin is always going to come up against you and you may fall or you may slip. But the key is that when you apply the word of God into your life, the word acknowledges what is wrong within you. The word of God is like a lamp. It acknowledges what needs to be fixed, what needs to be uh, taken care of within you. So when the word of God is abounding in your life, when the word of God is, is when the word of God is existing in your life, when you do sin, you immediately know you've sinned and therefore you go directly to your father asking for forgiveness, asking for his grace, asking for his mercy, and then you replace it with more of God. You replace it with more of God by replacing it with more of his word. A life that can hear the voice of command of God will produce much fruit, church. And lastly, I say to you, when you can hear God, you can't hear sin. I'm going to say that again. When you can hear God, you can't hear sin. And stop thinking about an audible voice because I'm not talking about an audible voice. For I tell you the truth, not everybody will hear the audible voice of God. Not even the prophets are able to always hear the audible voice of God. But God does speak and a whisper through his spirit. And God does speak through the pages of his word. So the more acquainted you get with the word of God, the more you will be able to hear God. And there are many resources out there for you to understand the word. And there are many translations out there for you to, for, uh, to help you understand and receive the word of God. So there is literally no excuse for you not to be in the word of God and for the word of God not to be in you. Amen. Amen and amen. Church, did you receive this message on today? I pray that you did. If you received this word, give God all the praise, give him all the glory and the honor for he alone is worthy. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, if it didn't bless you, it sure blessed me, but I pray that it did bless you. I pray that you did receive it nonetheless. Amen. Amen and amen. Before we close out our worship experience on tonight, there are three things. I, I know we mentioned them earlier, but I just want to recap so that way we can know what's about to occur. Uh, so firstly, in just a second, um, we're going to give those of you 
the opportunity that want to get your heart right with the Lord, to get your heart right with the Lord, to commit or recommit your life over or back over to Jesus Christ by accepting him and receiving him as your Lord and Savior. After we do that, then we're going to go ahead and partake in Holy Communion. And then after we partake in Holy Communion, we're going to go ahead and uh, close out in worship. And then we are going to then go into our Afterflow Fellowship call. Now, I will say this. I know we said it earlier, but I'm going to still say it again. Um, glory to God. I would love the opportunity to connect with you. Our church would love the opportunity to fellowship with you. If this is your first time here, no worries. We want to meet you. Amen. We want to connect with you, even if it's for a quick second, if it's a quick high and by, we just want to be able to connect with you and meet you. Amen. So this is for anybody. Amen. This is for anybody and everybody. You are more than welcome to participate and be with us in our Afterflow Fellowship call. And I definitely look forward to seeing you, even if it's for a quick second. Glory to God. Amen. Well, church, before we get into communion, um, let's go ahead and uh, open the altar. Amen. Glory to God. This may be your first time here tonight hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe this is your second or third time hearing the gospel. Whatever your situation is, whatever your circumstance is, maybe you are far from God. Maybe you felt distant from God. But whatever your situation is, whatever your circumstance looks like, don't take this moment for granted. Stop making excuses. Stop prolonging. Stop procrastinating and give your life to Jesus Christ here on tonight. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died for our sins and that he was raised to life on the third day and that he ascended into heaven and profess these things with our mouth and receive him as our Lord and Savior, then we shall be born again that we shall be added to the book of life, that we shall be added into the kingdom of God. You ain't got to get right in order to be made right. Come to God just as you are because he loves you. No matter what sin you got caught up in, God loves you. And God desires a relationship with you. God desires a walk of life with you. Will you not give God that opportunity? Will you not give God that chance. The Bible says, believe in your heart. Will you be willing to believe with your heart, even with the smallest portion of faith, the size of a grain of mustard seed, which is one of the smallest seeds in this planet? Amen. Step out in faith tonight. Come and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and know and understand that it will be the best decision that you've ever made. And understand that you don't have to walk this walk alone. We can walk it together. We can walk it alongside with you by you becoming a part of this church family. And to become a part of this church family, all you got to do is keep coming back. There is no formal um, There's no formal paperwork or anything like that. You just keep coming back and you are a part of this church family. Amen. Amen. For those of you that wish to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ, click on that blue button. Click on that raise hand button to let us know that you're making that decision, that you are taking that stand to accept and to receive Christ Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior here on tonight. Now, understand that by clicking on that hand, it does not let us know who you are. It is completely anonymous. But we encourage you to take it the next step and go share with someone that you've made that decision to accept and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't worry about what people think about you. Don't worry about what people say about you. The only thing that matters is your walk, your relationship with God. Amen. Amen. So for those of you that clicked on that hand and wish to commit or recommit your life to Christ, join me in this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe on the third day you raised to life, you ascended into heaven, and you are soon to come back again. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins, and I receive your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and your unfailing love and all that is within you. Lord Jesus, make your home in my heart. Help me to be the best person that I can possibly be for you. I nail to the cross my flesh, the desires of my flesh, the world and the things of the world to the cross of Calvary. Lord Jesus, I receive you. Make your home in my heart, Lord. Remember me and record my name in your book of life. 
I receive you this day as my Lord and Savior. In your most holy and precious name I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that simple prayer, I would like to be the first to welcome you to or welcome you back to the family of God. If you have not already done so, click on that, that raise hand button. Let us know that you made that decision, that you made that commitment for Jesus here on tonight. Amen. Amen and amen. Um, as you click on that uh, raise hand button, I also encourage you. I also encourage you to bookmark that page that appears in the new tab as it will formally introduce you in accordance with the word of God and the explanation of God's word as to who Jesus is and who Jesus wants to be in your life. Amen. Amen and amen. If you committed or recommitted your life to Christ here tonight, welcome to or welcome back to the family of God. And as I said earlier, remember, you don't have to walk this walk alone. We can walk it together. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, church, we're going to go ahead and we are going to prepare to partake in Holy Communion here tonight. For those of you that wish to partake with us, of course, what you will need to get is either a, a piece of bread, communion wafer, uh, or cracker for the body of Christ. And for the blood of Christ, you want either grape juice, wine, or water. No soft drinks, please. So again, grape juice, wine, or water for the blood of Christ. And for the body of Christ, a piece of bread, a cracker, or a communion wafer. Now, we're going to give you guys about a minute um, to get those elements prepared if you haven't already done so. Um, of course, once you get prepared, come back to the chat, say amen, and then we'll go ahead and begin partaking with Holy Communion. So go ahead and get yourself ready. We're going to give you guys a minute, and then we will partake in Holy Communion for tonight. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to go ahead and get started. Um, if you're still preparing your elements, that's fine. Take your time in doing so. Um, but of course, once you get so, then come back and join us and partake. Amen. So on the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he sat at the table at the Passover meal with his disciples in the upper room. And he took the bread and he gave thanks to God for it. He said, take and eat. For this bread represents my body and which has been broken for you. Do this as often as you take it in remembrance of me. Church, this piece of bread represents the broken body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's because of Jesus' broken body that we are made whole. Or should I say it's because of Jesus' brokenness that we are made whole. Jesus, this church is a representation of the very thing, Jesus Christ, that is able to make you whole, that is able to make you complete. Take, eat, and do this in remembrance of him. Amen. Likewise, when the dinner was over, he took the cup. And he gave thanks to God for it. And he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in which represents my blood. And which is for the remission of all sins. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of me as often as you partake of it. Church, this, this grape juice represents the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That was poured out on the cross for the remission of all our sins. This cup represents the new covenant in which we have that is rooted within the blood of Christ that makes us righteous, that makes us holy and pure before the eyes of our heavenly father. Take of, partake of this and do this with knowing that you are forgiven, that your sins are no more, that your slate has been cleaned and you are given a chance to live a new life through Christ Jesus. Church, this is the cup of the new covenant. Drink now and receive with gladness.
Amen. Amen and amen. Well, church, I pray that you guys were able to receive uh, Holy Communion tonight. If you were unable to receive Holy Communion for whatever reason, that's okay. There's always next month that you can partake with us. Now, we're going to go ahead and get ready to conclude with our last worship song for tonight. Of course, stay. Amen. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, stay. <laughs> Issue that command, stay <laughs> and worship. Amen. So let's stay and close out and worship. And then, of course, after worship concludes, we will then go ahead and post a link for our Afterflow Fellowship call via Zoom. Again, you are more than welcome to be a part of that. And I personally, and I know the team, also looks forward to the opportunity of meeting you and getting to know you and fellowshipping with you as well. So amen. So with that being said, may God bless you. May you have a blessed and impactful week. And I will see you guys in just a second. I'll look forward to seeing you guys on next Sunday as we go into week number four of this command series. God bless you and may God's peace and grace be with you always in Jesus name.